welcome to the Undignified Joy Podcast. My name is Emily and I'm your host and I'm so, so happy to have you here. If it's your first time listening, then thank you so much for joining and I hope you come and listen back um, next time too. But I'm so happy to have you here for this episode and I'm so excited for everything that I have in store today. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas, New Year's, all the fun holiday things. Um, Me personally, I freaking love Christmas. Oh my gosh, it is so just hands down best holiday, y'all. But um, unfortunately, the sad thing is that I live in Florida. And in Florida, as a lot of you know, is hot, 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 hot. So Christmas week, the high was like 70 something, which is very sad. So no snow. And I'm a big cold person too. I love the cold. I love just, I love when it feels like Christmas, you know, and in Florida where it's 70 degrees during the winter time, you can't really like cuddle up by the fireplace, like have hot cocoa because you're burning up. So that's kind of sad. But for those of y'all who live in the snow, who live in cold conditions, I envy you. And I'm so happy that at least one of us can experience that for Christmas. So um, anyways, just to say, I hope you enjoyed your Christmas um, and New Year's. Happy 2024, y'all. That's crazy. Like, I feel like it was just 2016 and like, life just passed. That's insane to me, and I feel like adults are always saying, like, you don't really understand how life, how fast time flies by, and in the moment, you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, but, um, okay, my phone just dinged, um, at the moment, you're like, yeah, whatever, like, time goes fast, yeah, but no, like, time flies so, so fast, and it is just crazy to think about, um, but, kind of what I want to talk about today. I am so excited because this is just something that I'm so passionate about that I have had on my heart for the past like maybe month or month and a half or so and it's just this one word that I've been thinking about that I cannot get off of my mind. I can't get off of my heart and so I figured that alone was a sign that I should share it. Um, And so the one word is revival and I first thought about this word about, uh, I'd say a month and a half ago, and I don't even know where it came from. I just, like, thought about um, revival and the whole idea of a revival happening and um, just people being the start of revival. And then a couple weeks ago was the very first time that I started this new, like, house church youth group type of thing and it's so amazing and the kind of name of it is called revival and um i just from the second i stepped in i felt such a wave of god's presence and the whole night i just felt revival happening in me i felt um just the word revival being spoken over me and it was kind of just like God telling me that in this next year in 2024 you are going to feel a whole shift of revival happen whether it's in your own life whether it's in um, the lives of the people and the friends and family around you or whether it's in um, strangers that you don't even know about like across the country across the world everywhere there is going to be a revival where people know who I am and that's just what I felt God speaking over me. And so in the past two months, you know, I've just 
like this whole idea of revival has weighed so heavily on me. And so I started just researching revival. I started listening to a whole bunch of sermons and I came across this one sermon and it was so amazing. And um, the person preaching brought up this whole story and not fiction. It was a true story. And so in the story, there was a professor. His name was Professor Orr, and he was a professor of theology in like the 1940s in um, in Europe. And so this professor, he took a group of his university students on a field trip so that they could kind of experience what they'd been learning and like see it firsthand. And so he brought them to um, workplaces and homes of some great theologians. And one of these great theologians was John Wesley. And so this professor took his students to John Wesley's home. And John Wesley was one of the great reformers of the church, one of the um, people who kind of built a lot of the beliefs that the church stands on today. And so these students walked into his home and they were just like in awe looking through where John Wesley lived his daily life. They looked in his kitchen, saw where he sat and ate breakfast every morning. They looked in his study, looked at the books that he read and studied the um, things that he wrote on papers then studied just all of it and he was just kind of all of the students were walking around in awe that they got to be in this great theologian's house and eventually um the the group of students walked up to his bedroom which is like his most intimate dwelling space where he just got to live out his daily life and as they walked into his bedroom they walked around the outer side of his bed professor or point pointed out that there were two perfectly worn patches that were marked into the carpet. And the professor proceeded to explain that in the morning, John Wesley would plant plant himself in that spot, bent and kneeling before the Lord, and pray for hours on end, um, just asking for revival to spring up in churches and communities and countries in his own life. This man did not wake up and pray for a minute or two saying, God, bless bless this day. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. He literally kneeled down in that same spot for day after day, month after month, years and years and years, praying that God would spring up a revival. And it was these prayers of him and of his colleagues that began the first and second great revival in the 1900s, but it started with two patches on the floor. Isn't that so crazy to think about? And um, anyways, getting ready to leave, um, the professor and the students, getting ready to leave um, John Wesley's house, Professor Orr was like loaded into the bus. He counted out the students and one of them was missing. And so um, Professor Orr went back into the house and he looked in the kitchen. Nobody was there. Went into John Wesley's study. Nobody was there. And then he went into the bedroom. And before he even walked into the room, he heard that someone was in there. And as he walked around the outer edge of the bed, he saw his one student with his knees planted in the same spot that John Wesley had worn out the carpet, and the student's hands were stretched out and praying, do it again, Lord. Do it and start with me. And then rising up from his knees, Billy Graham went and joined the rest of the students that day. And oh my gosh, how crazy is that? How insane that, um, 
A revival can start from just one person who is willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me. A person that is just willing to lay down their lives, lay down all of the all of those things and um, just sacrifice the things of the world and just say, here I am, God, I want you to use me. And um, there's one scripture that I just want to point out today, and it's found in Mark chapter 1. And it's a few different verses just scattered all through Mark chapter 1. And the very first verse is found in Mark 1 verse 28. And it says, Immediately the news about Jesus spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. And then um, a little bit later in the chapter, Mark 1 45 and they were coming to him from everywhere. And um, this right here shows that revival sprung up. Revival was happening because um, immediately the news about Jesus spread everywhere. Everyone was coming from everywhere to see him and hear about this man named Jesus. And so a lot about what I'm going to be talking about today is just going to highlight this point that when we lift up God, when we are doing his will, doing his work, and just running after the things that he's leading us towards, he is going to draw the people's hearts closer to him. It's not us that do the work. And so a big um, verse that we're going to be focusing on is Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And it says, um, hold on, let me find it. Mark chapter 1, 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And so on the surface, this verse doesn't seem like something that you can get a lot out of or um, dig super deep into, but really every single scripture that you read every verse, every chapter, whatever you read, you can dig so far deep into it and find something that God is trying to speak through it. And that's what I want to do with this verse. And so something that I really want to point out that um, we see in this verse is that Jesus walks in. And let me just remind y'all, at this time, nobody really knew Jesus other than like the crowds following him who knew his name. Um, the people in little towns like this, they did not know that Jesus was this almighty savior, ready to save their lives, ready to um, set out a future for them. He was just some guy from Nazareth. People didn't know Jesus like that yet. And so um, these synagogues were filled with these Pharisees, scribes, leaders, teachers, rabbis, um, just all of these people who had had so much education and had learned so much about how to talk about God, about how to um, teach people about who God was. And to a lot of people, they would look at Jesus and see him as the underdog. They would see him as someone who didn't have the kind of training they have, so to speak. Um, they didn't have the knowledge or the intellect that they might have had in who God was about scripture and just all of that. But Jesus did not focus on those things. Jesus knew that God had set him out and called him to do this thing. And so Jesus got up and without hesitation, he did it. And I think a lot of the times we think that we're not qualified to make a change in the world. We think that we're not qualified to do the things that God has called us to do. We feel like the underdog. We make excuses like God could never use me when he's used someone like him or her, someone who um, has more intellect, someone who's more creative, more who's older, or more talented, has more skills than me. But no, you 
listen to me right now. If God has called you, he is going to equip you with the things that you need to walk through it. Just like he did with Jesus. Jesus could have said, no, God, I don't think this is for me. I'm just going to, I'm going to let someone else take over. I'm going to let someone else do it for me. But by the power of God, we don't have to shrink back in insecurity. We don't have to shrink back in fear that um, we're going to mess up, that we're going to make a mistake or that somebody could do it better than us or passing the task on to someone else that seems more capable. By the power of God, we have the authority to walk out our calling. And so when it comes to revival, instead of looking to other people and saying, oh, they could do it so much better than me, or maybe they're more qualified, maybe they have better skills that are more useful than mine, instead of looking at people and saying that, instead of letting comparison steal your calling, let God determine that. Who are you to change God's plan? Who are you to doubt God's plan for your life when he has clearly chosen you to make a revival happen? And so this is kind of random, but as I was just thinking about revival and how God is to lead us in revival, it just brought up this memory and this story from when I was younger. So I'm not exactly sure. I might get the ages completely wrong, but I might have been around um, three or four years old when this started. But when I was younger, me, my dad, I was like a daddy's girl when I was younger, and I my dad was the closest thing to me. And um, so when I was around three or four years old, I think it started, I, me and my dad used to do like this trust thing. And I don't even know how it started or where it began. But I would like get on this super high place, or at least what seemed high for like a three or four year old. Um, so I'd stand on this high rock or something. And I would close my eyes and I would jump off and wait for my dad to catch me. And for a lot of people, um, I think as we grow older, we become more fearful of letdown. We become more fearful of rejection and um, just the things that the world feeds into us. But I had such a trust that my dad would catch me that even though my eyes were closed, even though it was a big and um, even though it was a big jump and a long fall to the ground, I had trust that my dad was there to catch me. And that, imagine if we viewed our relationship with God like that. Imagine if we looked at God, if we were just able to close our eyes, jump off of the rock and say, God, I know you'll catch me. I know you'll lead me. You'll guide me wherever I need to go. I know that you will plan out and make my steps clear, Lord. If we treated our relationship with God the way that I treated this jump, this trust thing that I had with my dad, if we trusted God in the same way, imagine how much he could use us to make a revival spring up. Imagine how much he could use us to reach his hurt and his broken people, the people that nobody wants to go to, the people that no one wants to talk to or touch or um, love on. Imagine the places he'll send us, the um, dark places that will turn to light once we've walked in and brought Jesus into the situation. Jesus can use us so much more when we are willing to let him just carry us and when we're, we're willing to let him control the situation, when we're willing to just let go and say, God, I trust you.
the reason we have no reason to be afraid is not because of our skill. It's not because of our talent or what or how qualified we think we are. It is by nothing other than the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And another thing that is so cool that I want to point out in this verse is um, verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. The people listening were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one having authority. Jesus demonstrated supernatural authority that was given to him by God. And he was marked by the presence of God. If we walked through life, if we went through our daily life, if we went to school, lived at home with our families, talked in our friend groups, um, our jobs, wherever it is that you go every day, if we went through each of these motions every day marked by the authority and the presence of God, imagine the kind of outcome we would see in other people's lives. Imagine um, the amount of people who would just come to us and say, I want what you have. I want that joy. I want that peace. I want that authority that seems to be on your life. And it's not a kind, it's not a confidence that is from the flesh. It's not a confidence that is um, found in worldly things or found in pride. It is confidence that is given from nothing but God, nothing but the freedom that we have gained in a relationship with Him. See, we have been called to be set apart, and a lot of us will have the same skill. A lot of us have the same talents and things that we may um, be good at. But the thing that sets us apart is when we are marked by the favor and the presence of God. You don't have to be good to be used by God. You don't have to know everything to be used by God. You don't have to be the smartest or the most educated or the oldest, the most wise. You don't have to be any of these things if you have God. And oh my gosh, a scripture that reminds me so much of this that I heard in that sermon that I was listening to, listening to, I haven't heard it in so long, um, this story, but it spoke so much to me, and oh my gosh, so it is found in Exodus chapter 33, and so God is talking to Moses, and God's disappointed because the people of Egypt are all complaining, and just bad mood dude type of thing if you know what I'm saying um despite all that he's done and all that he's delivered them from and so God ends up sending them to the promised land he says that he'll send an angel to go with them but then he says I'll hang back though I'll stay here while you guys go and then um fast forward to chapter 13 what Moses says is absolutely amazing and we should have this exact heart posture when going through our lives it says hello Jesus Moses literally said we don't want the promised land without your presence that is how we should be too we don't want any of the blessings that God has to give we don't want any of the miracles that he is sending our way if he himself isn't coming with them if God is not the one leading you if God is not the one if it's not his presence that's going before you we don't want it it is God's presence that sets us apart from the regular person. It is his presence flowing in us, his presence reflecting off of us. That is what makes us look different from every other person on this earth. And the very last thing that I want to point out, because y'all, I got to go eat dinner. Um, but the last thing that I want to point out is 
still in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, so a little bit of context. This On this day, Jesus was a very, very busy man, all right? He was going out, he was preaching, teaching, healing, saving, all of the things. He was very busy at work all day long. And so you can imagine, he would probably get a little bit tired. Jesus needed his rest in verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Y'all, oh my gosh. (laughs) Jesus could have slept in, as many of us do today. We're too tired. We need our rest. Jesus could have slept in. But instead, he got up before it before the sun even came up. It was still dark outside. Jesus got up so that he could go and talk to his father. How amazing is that? When Jesus needed his rest, he found it in his father. When Jesus needed time to just be alone and time for quiet and peace, he found it in the presence of God. He found his rest in the presence of God. See, your public life will only be as successful, it will only be as powerful as your private prayer life is. If you are um, in your free private moments, if you aren't in prayer, if you aren't in the Word of God, if you aren't digging deeper into His character and who He is and um, the purpose He has for your life, you're not going to see it in your public life. If you are um, trying to find rest in things of this world, if you're trying to find rest in places like social media, maybe in a sin or just in being busy, that is not the kind of rest that God has in store for you. See, life gets so busy and life gets so tiring and hard sometimes. And the only way we are truly able to just um, refresh ourselves and just get a new start is by true rest found in the Father. Just like Jesus did, we need to get our priorities straight. If Jesus had never talked to God the way that he did, if Jesus never made it a priority to pray and to talk to God every single day, he would have never been led to the places that he was. He would have never been used for the calling that God had planned for his life if he did not find his words straight from God, if he didn't find his worth and his confidence and his authority in God. And the same is true for you and me. It is so easy to get caught up in the I'm not enough of it all, in the it can't be me that God uses, it can't be me that God sends because I'm not enough, I'm not qualified, I'm not going to work for this job. But the real question we should be asking ourselves is, if not me, then who? Right? If not if not now, then when? If God wants to use you, he's going to use you. You just have to be willing. Now is not the time to get scared and shrink up in our fears, shrink up in our insecurities. Now is the time that we are to stand up as a church, stand up as Christ followers and go out into our communities, go out to our friends, to people that we don't even know, and to preach the gospel, to tell people about the good news, to tell people about the good God we serve that is here to save them. Now is not the time to doubt God. See, in this next year, with revival that is going to be springing up, Satan's number one plan is going to be attacking God's people. His number one plan is going to be um, 
taking people in the church out of the church, taking people in the word out of the word, just drawing all of the people he can out of the presence of God. But your goal and my goal should be to stay in the presence of God, stay in the word of God, stay in the church, because that is the way we truly flourish. That is the way that we bloom. That is the way that a revival is able to spring up. And just in the way that revival started with John Wesley and his colleagues, if we get down and we kneel before the Lord every single day, he is able to use a willing heart more than he is able to use a hardened heart. If you are open to his word, if your heart is softened to who he is and what he wants to send you to do, everything is going to change. And so whatever it is that you might want to be focusing on this year, whatever it is that um, you have goals for, that you have maybe resolutions or revelations for, I pray that you would add revival to the list. I pray that your number one goal this year would be to see God spread around the nation, spread around your community. And I pray that you would be the person who starts it, that you wouldn't shrivel up in fear, that you wouldn't be um, afraid that God can't use you, but that you would walk in the authority that God has given you, that you would walk in your calling and in your purpose that he has set out for you and me both. I believe revival is going to happen like it never has before, and I believe that it's going to start with you. And so if you're listening to this, I just want to pray over you, and I want to pray that the presence of God is going to just come in and take over that. So wherever you are, you can, um, if you're driving, don't close your eyes, but um, whatever you might be doing, just put your heart in a posture that is ready to receive what God has for you. So um Lord, today we just thank you for this new year ahead of us. Lord, we thank you for the year that has passed, but we praise you for what you're going to send us to do in this new year, God. I pray that whoever might be listening to this, whatever um, fears they have, Lord, whatever is in their life that they think doesn't qualify them, Lord, that you would just remind them that you have called them to something so much greater than fear. You have called them to something so much greater than what the enemy has for them, Lord. And so I pray that your protective shield would just be on them and that your face would shine brighter than it ever has, that your face and your heart would guide them to new places, Lord, that um, when fear is ready to take over and when comparison is ready to take over, that you would remind their hearts again that they are have been called. They have been set apart, Lord, by what you are doing. They've been set apart for this revival, and they have been set apart to tell people about the truth of who you are. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this year ahead. We thank you for your hand that is going to be on us and guiding us in this next year. And we just ask for your provision. We ask for your hope and your peace to follow us, Lord, and that your joy would continue on our path, God. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your perfect and precious and holy and amazing and powerful and lovely name that we pray. Amen. 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 Y'all, thank you so much for listening to me go on and on and on. I could probably still talk on and on and on, but like I said before, I gotta go eat dinner, y'all. I'm very, very hungry. Um, hungry for the word of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. But anyways, um, I hope you guys have um 
such an amazing week. I hope that this word is just able to resonate with you guys and that you're able to bring it into your whole new year, um, that you'll be able to walk every single day just seeking out revival in your everyday lives. Um, Yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. Jesus loves you and so do I. Bye!